Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed Today on the California Report magazine. Structures at Tudor Winery off a big tree on fire. It is an evacuation order for the following areas. Zone 3, Gia's in Georgia. 911, state your emergency. Yes, can you tell me if we're being evacuated? Okay, I'm going to put you on hold real quick, okay? No, Branch 5 have connected with the uh, Shady Fire. Trying to make our way around the, the head of this. We've got to go all the way to basketball. Tell the Sheriff's Department to open up the Wild Oak Saddle Club emergency gate. Hundreds are trapped in Oakmont right now, and they need to get out. September 28th, 2020. It's the middle of the night at the Veterans Memorial Building in Santa Rosa. About 200 senior citizens are outside, sitting on folding chairs or in their wheelchairs, leaning on their walkers, just waiting. We've been driving around Santa Rosa for two and a half hours, trying to find a place to, to go to. They seem stoic, not freaked out that a massive wildfire just drove them out of bed. In for Sasha Coca, I'm April Dimboski, the California Report's health correspondent. And I'm science reporter Molly Peterson. So many of these seniors had been through this before in the 2017 Tubbs fire. Back then, they had several hours warning to get out. This time, less than an hour. So around 10 o'clock, they told us to get ready, possible evacuation, and about an hour later, they told us evacuation was in progress. And now they've been stuck outside this evacuation point for hours. There are cots inside, but at 3 a.m., no more people can come in. City buses idle in the parking lot, still full of seniors. One woman hasn't had her depends changed in six hours. Finally, a man jumps on a chair to make an announcement. The fire is moving fast, and he says that the evacuation center may itself have to evacuate. We are no longer housing people here at the Vets building. He tells the people who've been waiting here to move on to another evacuation site in Petaluma, 18 miles away. What I have to caution you against is getting your hopes up that you're going to walk into a bed over there. It is likely going to be like this again. It's going to be a long wait until sleep. Hundreds of seniors from retirement communities, from assisted living facilities, memory care, even nursing homes— Many of them shuttled from one evacuation shelter to another. That's not the plan. These were very frail individuals, and they, they should not have been there. People who are bedbound have dementia or are on hospice. These care facilities are supposed to have a plan. Two safe places out of harm's way, a reliable means of transportation to get there, and a way to communicate with faraway family members that their mom and dad are okay. 
They called me at one point looking for my parents. They called you in Alaska asking where your parents are? Yep. The North Bay fires in 2017 were a reckoning with nature. Ma'am, so there's lots of fires and there's lots of fires in the county right now. I take care of a little lady and I did what I was scared for. Okay, thank you. Yeah, call if you see flames, okay? With our state and county leaders, with the companies that we pay to take care of our elderly loved ones. And still, three years later, we are leaving hundreds of frail seniors in the literal cold, while wildfire threatens their community and the last place in their life they will call home. Today, we devote our show to the growing threat of wildfire and its impact on the elderly. Climate change is making wildfires more devastating and disasters more common. At the same time, California's population is rapidly aging. Around the state, there are about 10,000 long-term care homes for the elderly. From small assisted living facilities that help residents with cooking and getting dressed to larger nursing homes that care for the very sick. We spent a year investigating these homes and found that 35% of them are located where wildfire is a significant hazard. We also found that public officials aren't doing enough to protect the elderly residents who live in these dangerous places. And the pandemic is making this even harder. In California, regulators began to take emergency preparation more seriously after what happened in 2017, when two assisted living facilities in Santa Rosa abandoned about 100 elderly residents. April has the story of what happened that October night. I don't have anyone any longer. Got a light. When the police arrived at the Verena Assisted Living Facility the night of the Tubbs fire, they saw no caregivers, no managers. Police department! In one residential room after another, they found elderly people fast asleep. Just keep going open them, bro. Keep going, Cam. Police body cam footage shows officers helping white-haired ladies in nightgowns out of the building, hours after employees left the grounds. Don't send your loved ones here. The same thing was happening next door at the Villa Capri assisted living facility. This is all flying by the seat of your pants. Mark Allen came to get his 89-year-old mother out. He realized the staff didn't have a plan. So Mark and his wife, Kathy, began carrying people in wheelchairs and walkers down the stairs. Many of them had dementia. They just kept asking what's happening. Are you a first responder? And I'd say no. And then they'd ask again in five minutes. Police arrived around 4 a.m. and helped get the rest of the residents out of Villa Capri. An hour later, it burned to the ground. Mark and Kathy filed a complaint with state regulators. The state accused the facilities of violating multiple health and safety regulations and moved to revoke their licenses. I felt good. I thought, good, justice is going to be served. People were going to pay the consequences. They're going to get their dues. But the company that owns both facilities, Oakmont Senior Living, appealed. Now, three years later, Villa Capri is rebuilt, and it and Verena are both open for business charging seniors up to $10,000 a month to live there. I was just so angry. This is Beth Eurotis Steffi. Her mother was also left behind at Villa Capri. I, I can't even really put into words how angry I was and how disappointed in a state agency whose job it is to get up every morning and protect people like my mom living in a facility like that, and they failed them. 
Beth says her mom, Alice, is still suffering the long-term effects of what happened. After the fire, Alice was transferred to three different residential facilities before she had a stroke and ended up in a nursing home. You look happy. (laughs) You need glasses. So she's paralyzed on her left side, and she's depressed and she's angry about what's happened to her life the last couple years, starting with that night. It it felt terrible. Like you've really been abandoned. Thank God, Alice says, nobody died that night. But several people died in the months after the fire, including Mark Allen's mom. Do you feel like? Yes. Yes, I do feel like she died because of the fire. She wasn't killed by the fire. But because of the fire and the trauma that happened afterwards, it took all the will to live from her. After this tragedy, lawmakers concluded that assisted living facilities were not doing enough to prepare for wildfire. They thought requirements for emergency plans were too vague and left police and firefighters to come to the rescue. So they went to work on a new law. It took effect last year. It requires assisted living facilities in California to do a better job training their staff on evacuations. They have to do drills four times a year. And they have to set up two places they can go if they have to evacuate, including one that's far away. Supporters hoped the law would shift the burden more onto facilities to make them more self-sufficient in an emergency. But even after the new law took effect, we have found facilities still leaning heavily on first responders and family members. Last December, I went to Grass Valley in Nevada County to see how the new law was working and whether it was helping facilities make better plans for wildfire. Turn right onto Pittsburgh Road. This area is a haven for retirees. The county has one of the highest rates of people over 65 in the state. And from our investigation, we know that every long-term care home in Nevada County is at risk for wildfire. Continue on California 49 South for nine miles. I went on a tour of some of these care homes with Randy Dinning. He's a long-term care ombudsman, which means he drops in at residential facilities for the elderly to check on the quality of the food or the care, or in this case, prepping for wildfire. Alrighty, off we go. First stop of the day is Sierra View Manor Assisted Living Facility. Straight away, Randy asks to talk to the boss. If uh, the boss lady is around, Administrator Vanessa Lely-Tennies comes out, and as Randy tries to ease into questions about disaster planning, she interrupts to say, we're the best. Well, I'm going to brag right from the beginning. She begins listing the virtues of her generator. We'll cover the entire building. And their evacuation plan. Everybody here within seven minutes. And the go bags they prep for each resident. But the conversation gets awkward when Vanessa reveals they only have one employee on staff overnight. We only have one night person. Caring for 46 residents. She says if wildfire strikes, the folks at the skilled nursing facility next door will take them in. You know, but they're they not going to have 46 beds over there. No. She says maybe they take them we to the local high school, or so maybe their family members would come pick them up. But we're never going to have one of those kinds of emergencies. I insist. <laughs> <laughs> it's human nature to believe the worst will always happen to someone else, that the skeletons of burned-out wheelchairs will be scattered outside some other facility. The new state law hasn't solved the problem of how to share this burden, the job of thinking ahead. 
what facilities need to do, what police have to do, and what family members choose to do to keep older folks safe from fire. Okay. If you don't mind, we're going to go to Crystal Ridge. This confusion of roles played out a mile down the road at Randy's next stop on the tour, a nursing home called Crystal Ridge Care Center. Randy passes by the cafeteria, where a bluegrass band is playing to a small, unenthusiastic crowd. Then he walks down the hall toward the patient rooms. Hey, we bother you for a minute? He stops by the room of Laralee Hanna, I'm the ombudsman. She has MS and has been living here for two years. Her husband, Bob, is sitting by her bed. Not to alarm you or anything, but um, we're very concerned about emergency preparedness for you guys. Laralee and Bob tell Randy that just a month before, there was a fire across the street. The fire was right in the parking lot, right down at the end of the parking lot. And the smoke and the wind was blowing really bad. So it was was really a nervous time at that time. Bob says the staff brought about half the patients outside into the parking lot. But when he looked around, he didn't see how they were going to get out beyond that. Because they had one van that was, you know, they might have gotten a few people in, but not enough to take care of everybody that was out in the parking lot. Bob has his own van with a ramp on it for Laralee's wheelchair. He went home to get it. And I wanted to make sure that she was out and, you know, no problem. And I could have taken two or a couple of three people in my van. So that's what we did. Same as the facility down the street in Grass Valley. Same as in Santa Rosa. In emergencies big and small, care homes have depended on family members to show up and help out. This happens because facilities haven't thought their plan through. They might be overlooking the requirements or neglecting them. And they're not the only ones. In California, regulators can crack down on the facilities that fall short, but they rarely do. We found 78% of nursing homes in California violated federal codes for emergency preparedness. But regulators only follow up on those problems 6% of the time. It's similar with assisted living facilities. Even after the new state law, regulators still only cited 3% of them for having insufficient emergency plans. I talked to the head of the state agency that oversees assisted living, Pam Dickfoss, and she told me that they essentially prefer not to cite facilities. They'd rather work with them. We're being more consultative during our annual inspections now. A big reason why is how rapidly California's population is aging. The demand for beds at assisted living facilities is expected to double over the next 20 years, while supply is expected to run out in about 10. Are you not able to walk at all, or can you provide some support with your legs? This growing demand is one of the reasons the state has given for not shutting down the two Santa Rosa facilities in 2017, even after they abandoned about 100 residents in the face of an approaching fire. Grab onto my shoulders like we're dancing, okay? Dick Foss says they're afraid of seniors ending up on the streets. These are the residents' homes, and a lot of them, you know, the people they live with are their families. If we felt the the residents were in danger, you know, we wouldn't have gone that way. So the message is, even if you abandon your residents, you won't get shut down. You might get a slap on the wrist, but almost never a fine. They're just told to do better next time. Next time keeps coming to Napa and Sonoma counties. 
Last year, it was the Kincaid Fire. And last month, another round of fast-moving fires zoomed towards Santa Rosa. The fire has uh, been extremely difficult to contain in the fight to date. Uh, Yesterday morning has been joined by a second huge blaze that has burned into Sonoma County and forced thousands of residents on the east side of Santa Rosa from their homes. I watched the fire. The whole hillside was lit up with flames. I, you know, all it takes is one little amber floating through the sky. Another chance for facilities to put their new revised emergency plans to the test. But this time, in the middle of a pandemic. 911, state emergency. This is Mary calling, and um, we live in Kenwood, and I just woke up. And I understand that we're under evacuation. Should we get out now? Yes. The combination of coronavirus and fire is why hundreds of seniors ended up standing outside Veterans Memorial in Santa Rosa in the dark. Many of them came from the retirement community Spring Lake Village. It's very unnerving. Retired engineer Pierre LeBurge is 86. He and his wife have evacuated from Spring Lake Village repeatedly since moving there five years ago. The previous time, it was very efficient. But this has been not too perfect. Before COVID, people crowded into shelters. Rows of cots lined up close together to hold as many fire refugees as possible. But to be safe during the pandemic, those cots have to be at least six feet apart. Less capacity at each shelter. And the fire moved fast. And they were absolutely not ready for us. That first night of the fire, some people from Spring Lake Village stayed at Veterans Memorial. County emergency managers sent others on to the fairgrounds in Petaluma. Pierre ended up here, where the shelter was sparse with humans but full of livestock. Apparently, a lot of people have been raising chickens during the pandemic. The bright yellow hat Pierre wore says SLV Fire Safety Warden. He's a volunteer. He makes sure his neighbors are ready for wildfire. From what he saw, they were. People were alerted. They all had go bags. Only kind of fell apart and it's, where did we go? That's the question, and it's a complicated one. Almost 400 people, including Pierre, live independently at Spring Lake Village. There's also assisted living on site where residents need a little more help and a nursing facility for people with round-the-clock health care needs. After the fire, family members on Facebook were frantic about where people from all of these places went. The email does not work. I tried three times to get an update on my mother. I wish you'd respond to the telephone message I left. I don't know where my 90-year-old parents are. My great-grand-aunt is in skilled nursing. She's a trooper, but she just enjoyed her 103rd birthday, and I'd feel better knowing where she is. For the nursing home and for assisted living residents, state and federal laws require Spring Lake Village to have plans for communicating with families, for transportation, like a bus, to get everyone out, and for a place to go. Before this fire, Covia, the company that runs Spring Lake Village, had handshake deals with other care homes to open their doors to evacuees. The problem there was COVID. Mary McMullen is a marketing executive at Covia. The relationships we had when push came to shove they were unwilling to accept people due to the COVID restrictions and not wanting to put their residents at risk. McMullen says as the fire came roaring in, Spring Lake Village needed to get people out of harm's way. We thought that by sending our residents with our staff, we would be able to execute our emergency plan. 
And that didn't happen. Three days after the fire, McMullen says around 30 residents, some in memory care, some from assisted living, remained at the Petaluma Fairgrounds. Was it longer than we would have wanted? Yeah. These were very frail individuals, and they they should not have been there. Krista Barnett Nelson runs Sonoma County's long-term care ombudsman program. It's charged with advocating for older people in local care homes. And she says it wasn't just Spring Lake Village. At least half a dozen facilities came to the county's evacuation centers. Five ambulances from one small care home. That's not the plan. Cars of residents from another. And then the buses of seniors from yet another large facility. That's also not part of the plan. In her view, facilities should not be relying on public shelters the way they did, especially the large ones. These are private companies. They're paid to follow these things all the way through. At the end of the day, how do you, how do you not have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D when, you're, when you have 400 people's lives in your hands? At Spring Lake Village, McMullen says her company did have a plan A and B and a bunch of letters besides that. But a fast-moving fire didn't give them much notice. And nothing in the law prevents these facilities from coming to the county for help. For the county to be surprised and for the ombudswoman to be surprised that we are going to rely on a shelter even for an interim period, I think is absolutely ridiculous. But to Barnett Nelson, the appropriate interim period for frail seniors to be in limbo is one night. You don't put them in an evacuation shelter for three days while you figure it out. There's no excuse for that. That's too long. Barnett Nelson says some people suffered. She describes one woman with dementia who flagged her down. She said, excuse me, ma'am, I've, I've chosen to stay, but I would like a cot, please. Even though she had already stayed one night and had a cot, Barnett Nelson played along and said, of course, let me see what I can find for you. And so then I started to step away and she said, excuse me, ma'am, um, I think I want a cot. You know, for her, she was making a decision over and over again to decide to stay. And it was a big decision. You could tell for her it was a big decision. This is why people with dementia have such a hard time with change and why it's so important that they not be moved around multiple times or left in limbo. This is why facilities need a plan for where dementia residents can go right away. Weighing pros and cons, worrying about what ifs, It was just on repeat in her mind, anxiety looping around and around. It's very subtle, but it's over and over and over again. Spring Lake Village is in a risky area. As larger fires keep coming through Sonoma County, they threaten every older person who might have to leave in a rush. Anyone could lose a cell phone or find that the garage door won't open because the power is out. Both have been fatal problems here. That's why Covia's Mary McMullen believes sharing the risk in a planned retirement community is better. It's a statewide concern. People are safer with us because we're equipped. There's no doubt about that. I have no... If someone says, should I still move in? I would say absolutely. But I know it's traumatizing for residents. And as fire risk grows, there's so much uncertainty, especially for older people, about where they'll live. This burden was what Barb Nesbitt's parents were trying to minimize as they grew older. They didn't want us, the kids, to worry about them. 
1958, Barney and Betty Johnson met on a blind date at Tommy's Joint in San Francisco. They married 11 months later, had three kids, and bought a house near SF State that they lived in for nearly half a century. As they approached their 80s, their daughter Barb says they made plans to move into a retirement community. And they intentionally wanted a place that had all the levels of care so that they took that burden off of us. They chose Spring Lake Village in Santa Rosa. You know, they have all the care, the security, maintenance, housekeeping. They lived in their own two-bedroom cottage, but they liked that the campus also had assisted living and skilled nursing in case they needed it. Earlier this year, Betty needed it. She has Parkinson's disease and dementia, and Barney just couldn't care for her on his own anymore. It was a really hard decision, but this is what they planned for. The skilled nursing is two buildings over, so my dad was able to go and see her every day until they started the quarantine. Barb lives outside Denver and usually talks to her mom on the phone every day. But when the fires broke out last month and Spring Lake Village had to evacuate, she didn't know where her mom even was for days. She called the facility and emailed and posted on Facebook, but didn't hear back. You know, we always knew she was okay because we knew she was with skilled nursing and she was being cared for. We just didn't know where they took her. Eventually, a staffer called Barb. You know, she felt bad that she had seen my mom and assured me my mom was fine and where she was. And she felt just awful, you know, that no one had gotten back to me. Both of her parents are back at Spring Lake Village now. But quarantine restrictions are as tight as ever. Her dad can only wave to her mom through the window of the nursing home. This isolation, these evacuations. Barb says this is not how her parents envisioned their final years. This is not the way old age is supposed to go. We've been reporting this for a year talking to dozens of caregivers. Even the well-intentioned ones may not be the best leaders or emergency planners. But they're not the villains. The villain in this story is wildfire. The villain is climate change. The villain is uncertainty. Not knowing what's being done to care for our parents. Not knowing where the wind and flames will turn next. Not knowing what kind of damage they will inflict on our homes. Not knowing when the next fire is coming. The winds are always shifting, and it's not easy to predict when the wind is going to blow. And where or which way? All we know is that it's going to keep blowing. We don't have to shove away what's inconvenient, that we're getting older, that finding shelter in California for so many people is hard, and that climate change is making all of us feel more exposed. We know who the villain is, and we can all choose what role we want to play in this fight. the California Report magazine for this week. We're a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. We air across the state. You can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. Our senior editor is Victoria Malion. Our director is Amanda Font. Our technical producer is Rob Spate with additional engineering from Seal Muller. 
Our editing team includes Katrin Snow and Erica Kelly. Our reporting team includes Lisa Pickoff-White, Lo Benishu, Gabe Moline, and Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez. Our intern is Ariella Markowitz. I'm April Dimboski. And I'm Molly Peterson. Sasha Coca returns next week. is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.